Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how to get better at talking to strangers with help from author Joe Cohane. You'll also learn about how the hit video game Red Dead Redemption 2 is accidentally turning gamers into naturalists. And we'll test your podcast knowledge with this month's Curiosity Challenge trivia game. Let's satisfy and challenge some curiosity. Yesterday, Joe Cohane told us about the huge benefits of talking to strangers. Today, he's back to tell us the best way to do it in the first place. Joe Cohane is a veteran journalist and the author of the new book, The Power of Strangers, The Benefits of Connecting in a Suspicious World. I just moved to a new city and I asked him what I should do when I'm out in public if I want to talk to people and, you know, hopefully make friends. Here's what Joe said. Paradoxically, the two things that will help you be better at talking to strangers don't involve talking. They involve noticing things and they involve listening. So walking around, not having earbuds in, not looking at your phone, just noticing stuff. And if something's interesting to you, ask somebody. If someone's around and they're doing something or if you're in a store and the store seems unusual, ask them what the deal is with the thing. You know, just notice stuff and make statements and ask questions. Indulge your curiosity. You can't fake it. Only point out things that you're actually interested in. And then once a, an interaction starts like that, and again, this is like, this takes some practice again, because we're, we're like raised to not do this necessarily. I think, you know, as a species, we're, we're wired for this, but we're kind of conditioned out of it in a way. Just listen to what they say. And what you're listening for when someone starts telling you something, even if it's something small, is you're looking for motivation. You're looking for background. You're looking for experience. If they say they started this store for a particular reason, you know, maybe it was something their grandmother said. You can ask about the grandmother and then they'll want to talk about that a little bit. And then maybe you can talk about your grandmother, but, but just listening, listening closely and noticing, you know, that's the trick to it, but it's also what makes it so daunting for people because you're, you're not in control of the conversation. And this was something that's actually pretty profound that I suffered from myself. And you see it in a lot of research. We're so accustomed to being in control of the, the interactions that we have, either because we're ordering pizza on like Grubhub or something, or we're texting or we're emailing, like we control the pace and the direction of the conversations that we have probably to a greater degree than we ever have in the history of the species. So we're used to that. What we're not used to is improv. Um, we're not used to relinquishing control of an interaction and then just like following it and not knowing where it's going to go. And it can be kind of disorienting and it requires a lot of like attentional resources. It's cognitive work. It's cognitively taxing, but just like hands off, ask questions, follow your curiosity um, and just let it go where it goes. And when you do that, it ends up being, you know, that's when the really kind of serendipitous things happen. It was, it was a struggle for me because as a journalist, I, I just found myself like when I took this class in London, I was just grilling people. They were like, okay, so we want you to listen for like, what makes this person who they are. And, and like in 30 seconds, I was like, I got it. I figured it out. I found it. <laughs> and so the teacher would have to gently be like, yeah, that was an interrogation. That wasn't a conversation. Like you got to, you got to whiff of something you liked and then you went after it. That's not what we're doing here. You need to relinquish control of the interaction. So, so yeah, just that, um, you know, notice, ask questions, indulge your curiosity, and then just get used to the idea that this is like, this is a form of travel in a way, you know, you're going to, you're going to have to go where it goes. You're, you're going to have to be hands off. It's pretty cool, actually, once you get used to it. Relinquishing control of your interactions is not easy, but it sounds like it's worth it. Again, that was Joe Cohane, a veteran journalist and the author of the new book, The Power of Strangers, The Benefits of Connecting in a Suspicious World. You can find a link to pick it up in the show notes. Video games that are made to teach tends to be a little bit niche and they don't necessarily sell very well. And that's why instead most big budget developers make games to entertain. 
But that doesn't mean they can't teach us things along the way. A recent study found that players of one mega popular video game came away knowing more about wildlife and conservation without even trying. And the game I'm talking about is Red Dead Redemption 2, a game that broke records for pre-orders and first day sales when it came out in 2018. Now, a lot of video games depict fantasy settings, but Red Dead Redemption 2 goes out of its way to do just the opposite. Its massive open world depicts realistic ecosystems that are more than just background decoration. These ecosystems contain species the player can hunt, study, and otherwise interact with. Well, researchers at the University of Exeter set out to understand whether the game's realism had any educational potential. To do this, they recruited nearly 600 self-identified gamers to take a quiz where they had to identify species found in the game. Participants looked at real photographs of 15 different species and had to correctly identify the species' name from an assortment of choices. Some of the species were common, like the white-tailed deer and the blue jay, but others were less common, like the roseate spoonbill, which looks like a flamingo with, well, a spoon for a bill. On average, Red Dead Redemption 2 players were able to correctly identify 10 of the 15 species. That's an average of three more than gamers who had not played the game, and the gamers who had logged the most hours in the game did the best on the quiz. The researchers argue that while sitting at home and playing video games might seem like the opposite of learning about nature, games that strive for realism might be useful educational tools. In Red Dead Redemption 2, opossums play dead and eagles hunt snakes, just like their real-life counterparts. The game even warns players about the plight of endangered species when they do something that harms one. And if they keep doing it, the species goes extinct. Gamers can't help but learn while they play. Now, sure, playing a game might never take the place of an actual biology class, but when it comes to learning about wildlife and conservation, games that strive for scientific realism might be an effective and untapped resource. It's time for the Curiosity Challenge. Every month, I call up a listener and I put them to the test by asking them three questions about stories that we ran on Curiosity Daily in the previous month. For this Curiosity Challenge, I talked to Elizabeth in Wisconsin. Have a listen. Nice to talk with you. Yeah, this is so much fun. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, good. So where are you in the country? Um, I live in Wisconsin, a small town near the Mississippi River. Nice. So how long have you been listening to Curiosity Daily? Um, I've been listening for a couple of months now. I found the podcast and I now I listen to it every day when I take a shower. It's like the perfect amount of time to take a shower and get dressed. Awesome. Well, great. We can get started on trivia if you're ready. Okay, let's go. All right. So number one, scientists recently developed a brain computer interface that let a man communicate by imagining that he was blank. So is it speaking, signing, or writing? Writing. That's right. Yes. Scientists developed a brain-computer interface that had a man just imagine that he was writing each letter, and it was actually able to read that in his brain and communicate the things he was saying. Really cool. Yeah, that was an amazing story. Yeah, yeah. Okay, number two. How do scientists know how old the dinosaur in a fossil was when it died? 
A, by measuring the size of the bones, B, by measuring growth rings in the bones, or C, by measuring the age of the rock? Uh, Measuring the growth rings. That's right. Yeah. Dinosaurs have growth rings just like trees do. They have them for a slightly different reason, but kind of not really. It's still... You get tree rings when there's an increase in growth during the year, and it's the same thing with dinosaur bones. When they have growth spurts, they have more capillaries grow, and that creates a ring. Nice. Okay, you got two for two. We'll do the the final one. We recently talked about how megalodon shark babies are the size of fully grown humans when they're born. How do scientists think that they grew so large in the womb? A- It's because there was extra oxygen in the atmosphere at the time. B, it's because megalodon mothers ate a lot. Or C, it's because they cannibalized their siblings in the womb. C, they ate their siblings in the womb. (laughs) That's right, yeah. They think that they ate their siblings in the womb because shark species today do that too. And so that's a good way to get a lot of calories before you're born. (laughs) You got all three right, Elizabeth. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. This is so much fun. Yet another perfect score. So impressive, right? So how did you do? If you'd like to play next month or if you have a question that you'd like us to answer on the show, shoot us an email at curiosity at discovery.com or leave us a voicemail at 312-596-5208. And important note, If you leave a voicemail about wanting to do trivia, leave your email as well, because that's how we'll send the Zoom link and everything, so it's important to have. Thanks! Before we recap what we learned today, here's a sneak peek at what you'll hear next week on Curiosity Daily. Next week, you'll learn about whether being too hygienic is making kids sick, why mating is sometimes the enemy of evolution, the first ever detection of a black hole gobbling up a neutron star, why it's easier to predict other people's behavior than your own, and more. Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today. Well, we learned that the two things that'll help you get better at talking to strangers are listening and noticing things. When you notice the stuff around you, you can make comments or ask questions. You can follow your genuine curiosity. And remember that it's okay to not be in control of the conversation you're having. I mean, improvising can be scary if you're not used to it, but the more you do it, the better you'll get. Practice makes perfect. My big problem talking to strangers is that I'm always worried that they're going to think I'm like intruding or that I'm creepy or that I'm weird. And I guess that's probably like I'm trying to think of how many times that I've thought that about people who talk to me. And it's like not as much as I imagine other people do. So I should probably just let that go. Yeah. I mean, somebody walks up to me on the street and asks for directions or whatever. I mean, yeah, someone strikes up a conversation. I think, wow, this person's so social and conversational. Why aren't more people like that? Like, that's what I think. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Human intuition is bad sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) And we learned that video games designed to entertain can educate, too. A recent study found that gamers who played Red Dead Redemption 2 were better able to identify 15 different animal species than participants who hadn't played the game. That's because the game is designed to be incredibly realistic. And that's making researchers think about big-budget video games as an untapped resource for wildlife education. I mean, I'm a perfect example of this, Cody. I played a whole lot of Grand Theft Auto Vice City when I was in high school, and now I know like a ton of 80s pop songs, so... It's basically the same thing. Ah. 
No, but really, I, I do want to play this game now. Like, it's made by the same people as GTA, and I really loved that game in high school. I know it's, like, controversial, uh, but I really, I played a lot of that game. Yeah, I remember a lot of lessons. The similar thing happened in Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, one of the best video games I have ever played. And uh, Hideo Kojima is the director of that, and he's known for hyper-realism. It's literally impossible to sum up the plot because it's extraordinarily convoluted and wonderful. But it's basically about a field operation. You're kind of like a spy dropped into enemy territory to conduct a mission. There's a part where, for example, you can crawl into a cave. And at first, when you crawl in the cave, it's pitch black. But if you just sit in the cave in real time, the lighting in the cave will adjust at the rate that the human eye would adjust to entering a dark environment. That's incredible. Which is like a totally, completely unnecessary detail. But there's also conversations you have over radio signal, basically, with some of your fellow operatives, basically, on your team. And they will talk about animals and wildlife in the area. And you'll learn really specific things about the species. And, for example, the paramedic is a character that will talk to you about medicine and she'll explain how to like dress yourself with a bandage and stuff like that. So just little minor stuff like that not only teaches you stuff, but it really enhances the experience of the game because it's so specific and you just feel cool, you know, yeah. when you're hearing those conversations and you're you're immersed in those little details. I mean, I guess it's not that different from fiction and movies, right? Like you learn little facts about the world from really well done media and video games are no different. Yeah, exactly. The writer for today's last story was Cameron Duke. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer, who is also an audio editor on today's episode. Our producer and lead audio editor is Cody Goff. Have a great weekend. Have you talked to any strangers yet? You really should. You should tell them to write a five-star review for Curiosity Daily on Apple Podcasts. Just saying. Then you can join us again Monday to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.